All right,、uh, shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful morning and、um, bless our worship time. May we, through studying the story of Gideon, and、uh, will become more obedient to you and trust you more. Bless our new year, Lord, and um, um, work、uh, with us. It's more than enough than、uh, everything we have. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. So today I'm、uh, going to study the story of Gideon's army with you guys. It's a story in the book of、uh, Judges, chapters six to eight. So the purpose of this study is、uh, to be a New Year's encouragement. I think most of us have difficult times in our lives. We have、uh, many spiritual warfares. And this is true in the time of the Old Testament. There were many wars, so we don't rely on our own strength. Many times we may feel we are strengthless, but let's rely on our Lord, because God has the ability to use the weak and the limited vessels to accomplish His goal, His plan. And Gideon is such a good example of、uh, faithfully obeying God. The author of the book Hebrew. Says about Gideon,、uh, he viewed Gideon as one of the heroes of faith in the book of Old Testament. So let me briefly read the、um, Hebrews eleven thirty-two to you. So the author said, "And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah. By the way, these four people are the judges in the book of Judges. About David and Samuel and the prophets. So you see, Gideon was viewed as one of the faith of hero." In the book of Old Testament, so let's study the life of Gideon. Let's see how a, a sort of a coward becoming a real mighty warrior. Okay. Let me give you a few background information about the story of Gideon. So that was about the three thousand years ago. About that time, okay. So I'm not that precise. But what happened at that time was that after God had led the Israel people into the Promised Land. They began to rebel against God. They forgot all the miracles God had done to their ancestors. So there is, was a rebellion formula. They did evil in the sight of God, and God punished them. They were oppressed by the by their enemies. Specifically, in the time of Gideon, the Midianites oppressed them. So that was the background. Now let's turn to the book of Judges, chapter six, and let's read the story verse by verse. Chapter six. Let's start read from chapter six, verse one. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because of the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops. The Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. So you see from this recording that the people has this rebellion formula, that they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. It was not the first time that they rebelled against God. If you refer back to the earlier chapters of the Book of Judges,、uh, for example, in chapter three, seven, they had the same. For rebellion formula, they did evil.、Um, 
Let, let me read that. The Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight. They forgot the Lord and worshipped the Baals and the Asherahs. The Baals and the Asherahs are the idols uh, from the people who originally lived in that land. So people forgot God. What's the consequence? You see from the verse number 2, the sin led the life of Israelites into animal existence situation. They hid themselves in the caves. So the land used to be a promised land flowing with milk and honey. But instead of enjoying these good things, their lives, because of sin, reduced to animal existence. Let's continue reading. Verse 4. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. The Lord disciplined Israelites. In Proverbs uh, 3.12, the scripture says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, just as a father the son he delights in. So it was still good that the Lord disciplined those people. Maybe the Israelites may repent and um, turn from their sinful ways. Let's continue. Verse 7, When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescue you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I deliver you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you, gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. So the message suddenly stopped here. But one thing we can take away is this. We shall remind ourselves what God had done in our lives. As a reminder, we don't forget Him and turn to other idols. Idols are anything that could distract our attention from God. So, a similar verse appears in Psalm 78, 1-4. It's a reminder to the people that we should remember God. The Psalm 78, 1-4 says, My people hear my instruction. Listen to what I say. I will declare wise sayings. I will speak mysteries from the past. Things we have heard and known and that our father have passed down to us. We must not hide them from their children, but uh, teach them a future generation. The praises of the Lord, his might, and the wonderful things he has performed. Okay, so let's remember God always. There are two ways that we may turn to God. One easy way is that we ourselves uh, proactively seek God as a reminder in our daily lives. I think that's the easy way. The more difficult way is when we have our miserable lives and the Lord himself reminds us, okay, I am the Lord. Turn away from my idols. Let's choose the easy way. Okay? And then let's continue reading the, the story. Verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Abiezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. You see, the Gideon himself had uh, the same <laughs> animal existence situation. Okay? 
And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. This is the first time that the Lord appeared to Gideon. Uh, the timing and the situation and the environment are all in the hands of the Lord. So the Lord didn't, uh, every calling from the Lord has its purpose. So you see, the Lord called Gideon mighty warrior. He didn't call Gideon this way. Get up, skillful farmer, or get up, expert uh, winemaker. Not this way. He just has its purpose. Get up, mighty warrior. Because it's a time of war. Now verse 13 Pardon me, my lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with, that, with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. So it seems to us uh, Gideon himself has still not clearly understood uh, because of their sinful rebellion uh, so the Israelites had the miserable life. It seems that Gideon has not gotten that, uh, that part yet. But uh, let's continue. Verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. So this is Gideon's first refusal to the calling of God. From his reply, and later we refer to, we will look at the following story, and we might see it might be Gideon's excuse. We'll see in a moment. But perhaps because Gideon himself had been so long oppressed by Midianites that his mindset has reduced to a coward. That could be true also. Let's continue. Uh, verse 16, the Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. This is very important. Let's mark this verse 16 and we will revisit uh, this verse uh, at the end of this uh, study. So verse 17, Gideon replied, If now I have found a favor in your eyes, give me a sign that is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Uh, so, in this context, Gideon asked for a sign. It's understandable because uh, when someone is walking, then suddenly the Lord appeared to him. He should have been uh, surprised. But uh, we should remind ourselves, it's not uh, always good to ask for signs from the Lord. But uh, in that situation, it's, it's understandable. Uh, a coward walking in, in his wine press, and then suddenly the Lord talking to him. Uh, talking about the signs, Jesus himself explained uh, in this way in Matthew chapter 12, 38 to 39. The scripture says, Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, Wicked and uh, adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the people of, uh, of the prophet Jonah. And even when we receive a sign, that does not uh, mean it is from the God. Matthew 24, verse 24 says, 
For false messiahs and the false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Now let's return to the story of Gideon. Let's continue. Verse 19 says, Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of flour he made the bread without yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot, he brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of the Lord said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, the, Lord's, the Lord is peace. To this day, it stands in Ophrah of the Abiezrites. After the first round of conversation, Gideon was convinced that uh, he had seen the Lord. And uh, soon we will see his first victory. He is going to tear down the idol of Baal. It's important when we try to repent and then turn to God, it's uh, our first step to demolish any idols in our lives, anything that distracts our attention from the Lord. So let's continue to read his first victory. Verse 25, The same night the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal, and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then, Build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of its height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. You see, the Lord gave Gideon very detailed instructions, and we will see Gideon follow and obey God's instructions faithfully. Verse 27. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the town people, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. In the morning, when the people of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished with the Asherah pole beside it cut down and the second bull sacrifice on the newly built altar. So from this piece of story, we observe the following things. Number one, it seems that Gideon's father was not that poor. He had the resources to set up the altar for the idol Baal. And the township people, uh, town people came to worship the, the false idol there. And Gideon himself had the ten servants going with him together to demolish the altar. It is true that Gideon obeyed the Lord faithfully, but on the other hand, from this description, it seems that Gideon's father is not the poorest and that Gideon is not the, the weakest one in his family. It might be some um, fear, feeling in his heart that he refused the calling of the Lord uh, in the beginning. But anyway, he obeyed the instructions of the Lord. That's the good thing. That, uh, that's the, what we should learn from him. So let's continue. Verse 29. They asked each other, uh, who did this? When they carefully investigated, they were told Gideon son of Joash did it. 
The people of the town demanded of Joash, Bring out your son, he must die, because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. This is ridiculous. People who worship idols demanded that the people demolish the idol to be put to death. Let's refer to Deuteronomy verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 6 to 10. Deuteronomy. Thirteen, verse six. Uh, let me quickly read it. If your very own brother or your son or daughter or the wife you love or your closest friend secretly entices you, saying, "Let us go and worship other gods, gods that neither you nor your ancestors have known, gods of the peoples around you, whether near or far, from one end of the land to the other," do not yield to them or listen to them. Show them no pity. Do not spare them or shield them. You must certainly put them to death. Your hand must be the first in putting them to death, and then the hands of all the people. So you see, in the law that uh, God gave Moses, it's the idolaters who should be put to death, not the one who demolished the idols. Now you see, the Israel people had become so perverted that they demanded that the Gideon who demolished the idols be put to death. So let's continue. Verse 31 but Joash replied to the hostile crowd around him, Are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights of him shall be put to death by morning. If Baal really is a god, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. So because Gideon broke down Baal's altar, they gave him the name Jerubbaal that day, saying, Let Baal contend with him. Usually, it is men who seek the protection from God, not vice versa. So it's interesting to see Joash, Gideon's father, defended for his son. It's ridiculous to have a piece of wood setting up and worship to it, like the Asherah pole that the town people worshipped. So let's turn to Isaiah chapter 44, verse 19. Isaiah 44, verse 19. Uh, this passage describes uh, how ridiculous people worship a piece of wood, like the cypress or oak. The wood's purpose is for, um, like to be burned for uh, cooking, etc. So Isaiah, the prophet, says in um, 19... No one stops to think, no one has the knowledge or understanding to say, half of it I use for fuel, I even baked bread over its coals, I roasted meat and I ate. Shall I make a detestable thing from what is left? Shall I bow down to a block of wood? The Asherah pole Gideon had cut down was used to, uh, burn, to offer the burnt sacrifice to the Lord. I think it's a reminder for the town people you see, the piece of wood is just some uh, burning coals. You shall never bow down to that. That's false God. Let's continue, verse uh, 33. Oh, by the way, the meaning of uh, Gideon, according to my study Bible, its meaning is uh, to hack, uh, to cut down. Uh, so that's interesting. 
Now let's continue to read verse 33. Now all the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abiezrites to follow him. He sent messengers throughout the Manasseh, calling them to arms, and also into Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, so that they too went up to meet, him, meet them. So with the power of the Holy Spirit, Gideon became so uh, much, much more courageous than he, he used to be. He dared to blow the trumpet and call for people for a, a, a war against the enemies. So he grew, grew in his faith. Verse 36, Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save the Israelite by my hand, as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next morning. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry, or the ground was covered with dew. Uh, we, we all already knew that asking for signs uh, is not so good, but uh, God showed his mercy and grace to Gideon. So he, he, he still answered Gideon's uh, the, such a request of signs. So anyway, I think Gideon was now convinced that, okay, I am the warrior that God has chosen to lead the, 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 the war against Midianites. Up till now, you see Gideon is... Uh, following God's instructions pretty faithfully. Although sometimes he might still feel that I, I, uh, he, he felt that himself was not adequate in doing so. He might lack the strength, but that's fine. We'll see that the Lord continues to use Gideon, the weak vessel, to accomplish the Lord's purpose. So chapter 7, early in the morning, Jerubel, that is Gideon, and all his men came at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was not of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength have saved me. Now, announce to the army, Anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained. According to my study Bible, the meaning of Herod, uh, the spring of Herod, is uh, the, a spring of trembling. So that described the status of the Gideon's army. Most of them were fearful. Uh, so God uh, asked Gideon to dismiss everyone who, that, who, who is not... Um, Everyone who, who, uh, who is with fear may turn back. So this dismissal of men greatly reduced the number, and it is reduced to 10,000. And in chapter 8, in a moment, you will see the total number of the Midianites might be up to 135,000. So 
at this moment, Gideon has 10,000 people. 10,000. So it's 10,000 against 135,000. But that's not the end. Uh, we'll see. Let's continue. Chapter 4. But the Lord said to Gideon, There are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the man down to the water. There the Lord told him, Separate those who left the water with their tongues, as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. Three hundred of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, With the three hundred men that left, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the three hundred, who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. So at that moment, Gideon had only three hundred men. And Gideon obeyed God. Obeyed God. Uh, God asked him to reduce people, he reduced once. And God asked him to reduce even a second time, he did so also. He obeyed God faithfully. Uh, as a reminder, we should understand that God has the ability to use the weak. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 28-29, the scripture says, God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. That's the same thing here. Lord, The Lord would like the Israelites uh, realize that he is almighty. He is in charge of everything. Nothing can prevent him to save, neither few or many. So, and I think everyone who is uh, reasonable or who is rational should recognize it's impossible for 300 men to fight 135,000 soldiers. That's ridiculous. Hopefully, people will be realizing this. Uh, so let's continue reading the story. Now, the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. Uh, I especially like this verse uh, because it's very good to understand ourselves and our enemy. Uh, so it's interesting to see that somehow God placed Gideon in such a good situation, good location that he and his 300 men could view the camping or, or whatever uh, battle formation of uh, his enemy. And then verse 9, During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I'm going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, Pura. Uh, from verse 10, we see that the Lord is still very merciful. Uh, he understands our hearts. It's fine. We, we might not be that courageous at some moment, but God is merciful. He allowed Gideon to spy that camp, and uh, later you will see he showed Gideon. Uh, actually, Gideon is the mighty warrior. And verse 11, and listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Pura, his servant, went down to the outposts of the camp, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern peoples had settled in the valley, thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. 
Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such a force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. It's interesting that the enemy themselves were, were fearful of Gideon, even though I don't know whether they, they saw how many people Gideon had, but uh, they knew that Gideon is coming proactively attacking uh, these enemies. So, verse 15, when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. At this moment, I think Gideon fully recognized that God is almighty. He is in charge, in control of everything, including the minds of the enemy. So he returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. He's very, faith, uh, he's very courageous now. He's um, full of faith that the victory belonged to him, even though in the beginning God already told him uh, that, that he is a mighty warrior. He will defeat the enemy. But at this moment, he himself claimed, uh, the Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Verse 16, dividing the 300 men into three camp companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them uh, with torches inside. Watch me, he told them, follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout, For the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the, 300 men, uh, Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow, they shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. This attack was also interesting. From the, the verse of 20, you see uh, the man with Gideon grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets. The verse didn't say that they hold uh, swords, which is supposedly the, the most deadly weapon in, the, uh, in, the, in that time, but they only hold uh, torches and the trumpets. So this is, was even more obvious that only Lord could defeat the enemy, and the battle belonged to the Lord. So verse 22, when the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. The army fled to Bethshita toward Zerah as far as the border of Abel Mohola near Tabath. Israelites from Naphtali, Asher, and Omanasseh were called out, and they pursued the Midianites. Gideon sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and seize the waters of the Jordan ahead of them as far as Beth Barah. So all the men of Ephraim were called out and they seized the waters of Jordan as far as Beth Barah. 
They also captured two of the Midianite leaders, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb and Zeb at the wine press of Zeb. They pursued the Midianites and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon, who was by the Jordan. Gideon had defeated the, the 135,000 Midianites with only 300 men. This was a miracle from God. And uh, up till now, we see that Gideon had becoming, uh, became a, a fatal hero, I will say that. Uh, at each step, he might have uh, doubts, but uh, nonetheless, he carried out the instructions from the Lord. So a few more verses from the Revelation that I, I would like to read to you. It is true that we might have um, difficult situations, but let's persevere. In Revelation uh, chapter 2, verse 10, the scripture says, Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. The victor will never be handed, by the, uh, be handed over by the second death. And uh, also, in Revelation chapter 21, 8, the scripture says, uh, let me turn to that. Revelation 21, verse 8. Verse 8 says, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, and the sexual immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So the verse specifically mentions the cowards. We don't judge ourselves, the Lord judges us, but whenever we feel uh, fearful, that's remind us that uh, we rely on the Lord and that uh, we seek out His will courageously. So after we have reading chapters 6 and 7 of Judges, we have seen that Gideon, by following the Lord and relying on the, the Lord's delivery, had uh, accomplished a great victory. Uh, then chapter 8 continues to record the remaining wars uh, that were led by Gideon. One thing that, a few, a few points that uh, I would like to remind us. Number one is, from verse one, now the Ephraimites asked Gideon, why have you treated us like this? Why didn't you call us when you went to fight Midian? And they challenged him vigorously. So it seems that they came into some uh, argues uh, with Gideon. But you see, Gideon is, uh, presents his uh, self-control nicely. Uh, verse 2, said, he said, But he answered them, What have I accomplished compared to you? Aren't the gleanings of Ephraim's grapes better than the full grape harvest of Abiezer? God gave Oreb and Zeb, the Midianites' leaders, into your hand. What was I able to do compared to you? At this, their resentment against him subsided. So Gideon uh, showed his self-control nicely. He, he, he was a, uh, a good leader, I think. Now here is an important thing that I, I would like to point out. Uh, by that moment, Gideon had accomplished great military victory. And uh, people of Israelites viewed him as their hero. And they would like Gideon to be their king. Also, they would like the sons of Gideon to rule of Israel as well. But Gideon pointed them 
to the Lord. Let's read the uh, Let's read verse 8. Uh, I mean, sorry, uh, chapter 8. Chapter 8, uh, verse 22. The Israelites said to Gideon, Rule over us, you, your son, and your grandson, because you have saved us from the hand of Midian. So Israelites uh, seems not uh, realizing that that their true reason for of their miserable life was their rebellion to God. They still seek a, a human king to rule over them. Then Gideon told them, "I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you." That's one nice thing that Gideon had pointed out. It it should be the Lord that uh, who ruled over us. We don't put our faith in any human beings, but let's trust, rely on the Lord wholeheartedly. So that's, that's, that's one thing that I like the comment from Gideon. But uh, as a human being, he, Gideon himself also, uh, of course, was not perfect. Uh, let's compare two places. In chapter 6, uh, verse 24, So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. Uh, Gideon uh, worshiped the Lord. Then let's compare chapter 8, verse 27. After the victory, Gideon made the gold into an ephod, which he placed in Ophrah, his town. All Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and his family. So no, no human is uh, perfect, uh, and uh, even Gideon, the uh, Hero of faith sinned by setting up uh, the, the idol in his later life. So our true hope is our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, one last point that I would like to uh, remind ourselves is the verse that uh, we have read in chapter 6. It was... Uh, verse chapter 6, verse 16. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. This is uh, NIV translation, and I refer to the New King James Version. The translation reads like this. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. So that translation kind of relates to the, the victory to the, the numbers. Uh, Gideon is going to defeat the Midianites as if the, the enemy was one man. So two things that I would like to highlight. Number one is that uh, the Lord said, surely I will be with you. This is more than enough to every one of us. If the Lord is with us, then nothing should be difficult. This is one thing. Secondly, it's the message that the Lord uh, <clears throat> told Gideon. He told, I will be with you. That's a, a guarantee, an assurance. And the final, the ultimate victory, you are going to defeat them as if they were one man. The Lord foretold Gideon the ultimate victory. The Lord didn't tell Gideon this way. I am going to go with you. You are going to fight 135,000 Midianites 
with only 300 people. They don't have swords. They have only torches and trumpets. But you are going to fight them, defeat them as one man. The Lord didn't say it this way. He, said, he assured Gideon, the Lord is going to fight with Gideon. And Gideon is going to get the ultimate victory. And the same pattern, I think, you can observe from uh, other stories as well. Like when the Lord called uh, Abraham uh, in Genesis chapter 12, we, we don't read that verses, but basically the Lord called Abraham out of the land of his father, go to a distant land. And then later in chapter 15, I think when Abraham had a much more stronger faith, the Lord told him, okay, your offspring is going to be in slavery for 400 years. The Lord didn't tell in the beginning to Abraham, okay, I'm going to bless you. You are going to be a great nation. Your offspring will be, slaver, uh, be in slavery for 400 years and blah, blah, blah. I think that would be too, much, too scary to anyone who is, who is called. So the Lord is uh, mercy and showed his mercy and grace to, to everyone he, he loves. So he's able to help us grow our faith in him step by step. You see from this story, God gave Gideon very detailed instructions, not just broad idea. That, that's that's <clears throat> something I like also. Um, and the Lord told Gideon, I'm going to be with you. The same thing that Jesus told his disciples. Let's turn to Matthew, chapter, book of Matthew, chapter 25. <clears throat> Let's read uh, chapter, five, I'm sorry, chapter 28, the last chapter. Chapter 28, Matthew, chapter 28, and uh, verse 20. And uh, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The Lord assured his disciples that uh, he's going to be with them always. That's more than enough. Also, in John, um, book of John, chapter 16, let's look at the verse 33. John 16, verse 33, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus has accomplished the victory. He has overcome the death. He has overcome the world. He told us the ultimate victory. Perhaps in our lives, we might have uh, all sorts of uh, troubles. Uh, depending on how we view them, we may rely on our limited strength and uh, continue our miserable ways. Basically, we forget God. But we should always turn to Jesus, our Lord. He is with us always if we rely on him. And he has guaranteed us our ultimate reward if we are faithful. Um, so I've quickly overview the story of Gideon. I hope uh, it can become an encouragement to every one of us. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, um, thank you for your message to us in the story of Gideon's army. And uh, may you work with us always, uh, encourage us, and let us put our faith on you. We run to your mercy and grace. 
We don't rely on our own strength, but we seek your will courageously. You are able to defeat any enemy, and uh, you are able to help us grow our faith in you. Thank you, Lord. Bless our 2019 leaders and use a small church such as CIF for your glory. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen.